This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 21. We are talking to artist Vipu Sivilasa. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to Vipu Sivilasa about his works featured in the MPRG exhibition Obsession, Devil in the Detail. Vipu is a ceramic artist who was born in Thailand. He creates contemporary porcelain sculptures and vessels that transmit a universal message about cross-cultural experiences. Vipu also talks about how he works with artisans around the world to make his iconic creatures and how his patient series was a reaction to the distraction of social media. Discover more about his art projects, his new studio and how he manages his busy international schedule. Thanks for joining us today, Vipu. Thank you for having me here. Firstly, you grew up in Bangkok in Thailand. Were you interested in art as a child and how did you end up becoming an artist? I wasn't. I want to be a classical Thai dancer. When I kind of finished high school, I went to this school, the dancing school, to apply for the, you know, the next level. But I went with my mum, but there is no one at the reception. So we couldn't apply for it. So we turned back. And the opposite side is College of Fine Art, which has a reception attendant. So we go there and we apply for it. And I got the place in the College of Fine Art. So that's when I um, started doing art, I guess. Mm. Mm. And in those early days, what sort of work were you making or what were you studying? I did study ceramic from the beginning. It was starting because at the College of Fine Arts, I always want to have extra income, so I start making a fashion accessory using air-dry clay. But the air-dry clay is not durable, so I want to find some other material that kind of similar but actually lasts longer, and ceramic come to mind. So from College of Fine Art, I go to the university and choose ceramic as my subject. Hmm. And then from there, then I go to an um, honors degree here in Australia, also ceramics, and do my master degrees, also in ceramics. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, you moved to Australia in 1997 and studied ceramics at both Monash Uni and the University of Tasmania. Yeah. What was this period of change like for you moving to a different country? Look back, I think it was exciting time. When I was there, like in current time back then, it was quite difficult to adjust myself in the new environment. I'm not talking about languages or anything, but more like shopping and food. From Bangkok, like everything's open 24 hours. And like 20 years ago in Melbourne, everything closed at five o'clock and nothing opened Saturday, Sunday. That was a real culture shock for me. I just have nothing to do after five o'clock. It's really weird. Also, it's, uh, during that time, it's opened my mind about ceramic art as well. In Thailand, ceramic is more like functional and factory and designer. But here I just learned about studio potters that they can make a living as an artist as well. Mm. Did you have some influential or interesting lecturers that were really sort of inspired you to... Back then? Yeah. Back then I studied uh, my master's degree with Penny Smith in Tasmania. She was my advisor and she did a really good job in kind of like not controlling but kind of like a... Uh, what is the word like? Because I, I like maximizing. I like more is more and I like, like everything's 
big and loud, but Penny is totally opposite of me. She's kind of like a designer and wants something like minimalist and like more simple. So she has a way to kind of like channel my energy into like the right direction so it's not go all over the place. So I think she has a quite big influence for me back then, so yes. Mm-hmm. And in what ways do you think your upbringing in Thailand influences your current art practice and the ceramics that you make? I think a lot of my work without me realizing it, come from Thai culture, especially the details and the decorative part of my work. When I was young, I go to temple quite a lot with my grandmother and go to see Thai performance dance. So there has a lot of detail like embroideries or even the temple, they always have kind of decorations, very fine detail, and the temple just never have empty space. Every single space is always full of decorations. And I think it's when I look at my work now, I just realize where it comes from. It just reflects that. Also, at the temple, they always have gold and sparkling mirror. So that reflects back into my pieces. Mm. And I guess your playful little detailed porcelain creatures have become almost instantly recognizable as your mm. work. Cool. Can you talk? a little bit about the colors and the forms that you play within the ceramic practice. I think the form, it could be a little bit difficult because I make work in series. Each series talk about different things, so the form kind of changes all the time. But the color for the last 15 years, I use blue and white color, mainly because it's quite beautiful. And it's kind of like a metaphor for me of my life, you know, come from Thailand to Australia, kind of like east to west. But the blue and white is original in the east and then export to the West, kind of like using that as a metaphor a bit. Mm. Now, your work is really meticulously detailed. Mm. It's hard not to be seduced by the technical dexterity within the sculptures. Beyond this technical aspect, what are some of the broader conceptual ideas that you play around with in your work? There is a lot of things that I try to say in my work, but I found sometimes the subject is very difficult to talk about or sometimes it's really heavy. And I think people just doesn't want to hear or doesn't want to connect with it. But with the beautifuls and with the like easy access shape and form, I feel like my message translate or I can get the message to the people easier. Now, why do you think art audiences are attracted to such detailed work? I think because they just realize how much time it takes to make one of the work. And they like it because they couldn't do it because they don't have time to practice to be good at it. So they admire the labor of love and admire the technical and craftsmanship. I think that's why people attack to the the work. Mm. Now, where did the inspiration come for creating the Patience Flower series of sculptures? And what was the most challenging aspect to making these works? This series has been running for like 12, 14 years now. When I first making it, it was because I was addicted to kind of like social medias and all those things and I feel like I lost my patience and I just couldn't do things kind of like um, concentration anymore actually I lost my concentrations like five minutes and I have to check my phone and all so I created this series because it takes so much work and such a long time to create one it's just like uh, that's why I call it patient flowers it also inspired by the work I saw in Germany it's a teapot it's called blossom teapot and these teapots cover with little flowers all over the place, and each flower has been hand-painted in the Meissen pottery. And so it was inspiring me to create my own kind of like flower pot, 
and that's the start. And it has been really successful, and it's been running, continuing, and it evolving and changing. Even though I use the same form, but the design has changed, and I now add color to the pieces, which normally is just only white. Mm. Yeah, with those works, mm. when you started making that series, how long would one of the sculptures take you, and what was the process to make that? It was take a long time. Um, when I first making this series, I was in China in Jinzhou. And I met with these artisans who make flowers, jewelries. I have my in my mind. I already know what I wanted, and then when I saw his flowers, I thought he would be the perfect one to help me create this work. So I talked to him, and then get him to help me making these flowers. But the problem is, he just doesn't want to do it because it's outside his practice, and he just couldn't see the images that I have in my head. So it take a long time to actually get him to make the piece. But once he understands what I want, and once he sees the pieces, then he's kind of like explored, like he would just do anything at all. So now there is kind of like a really good um, working together. Like he become like one of my assistants, I guess. I see him as my assistant because I make work around the world, not just in China or in Australia. I also some, make some work in Thailand as well. So I have assistants all around the places. And now I could just design, drawing the pictures of what I want and then send it to him. He understands exactly what I want and he just created the work for me. Mm. Now, for the work in the detail exhibition, mm -hmm. you've taken the Patience Flower series to a whole new level, creating eight sculptures out of completely different materials. Mm. Now, what was the idea behind this project? And can you talk about some of the different outcomes? When you, Danny, approached me about this project, it's called uh, Devo in the Details. And immediately I thought, like, um, just take it quite literally, uh, because what I think is, like, what does it mean if I'm in the work? So I am in the detail of the work, but maybe I don't have to make the work because I have been working with assistants around the world and I also work with a lot of community in creative process. So they help me actually making my work. So I thought maybe I could expand this and make the whole series of work with me in the work, but without me touching it. And each of the work, I was thinking of what kind of material would fit with this because uh, taking from the flower, patient flowers, it kind of like looked like carving. Uh, so I thought maybe a Thai carving, fruit and vegetable would look good. And I did that with another friends who carving the work for me. And I'm thinking of maybe fruit and vegetable, maybe like sugar. So I get a uh, hot time lady to help me create the sugar piece. And I also thinking maybe glass would be really good. So I make the glass piece. But each of the work, each of the material has its own elements or its own distinct. So none of them look similar to what I create, not like ceramics. For example, glass piece, to make it that fine detail, it's just kind of impossible. And so I just make the very simple shape. You might say, but there is no detail in it. But the detail, it wasn't about the detail, detail, but it's about the detail and practice that the glass blower has been done for many, many years before she can actually manage to make my piece within three hours. Mm. And like you're saying, one of the devils in the detail is mm. that all of these artworks have been made or produced mm. by other artisans. Mm. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about how you designed and planned these and then I guess how you went out and sourced the, um, to produce them. I think that's when my addiction to social media come handy. <laughs> so I, can, I just announce it on social media and then like people share it and people, my friends share it and then my friends or my friends know of the kind of like 
connecting me with many different people. The hard one was for me to understand what I want from the projects and what I want from each material. My original idea was everything has to look like my ceramic pieces. But then when I start making my first piece, I think it was fruit and vegetables. It just doesn't look like that. It's just too hard to make the carrot look like ceramics. Or too hard to make a pumpkin look like the shape I wanted to. So I just let it go and let the material be itself. And since then, it's a lot easier to create other pieces. Mm. Mm. In terms of the actual sculpture itself, the patient's flower, mm. what is the actual object? Is it a bear or is it... Um, what is the actual form? Well, I think I leave it to the audience to decide what it is because I think art is related to what each experience of each person who look at the art. I know what I want to make, I know what it is, but then it may not be the same when people look at it and I think I should leave it open for interpretations. And, and that's when people like my work because they don't know what it is and they try to understand it. And then I think that's why my work engaging with the audience. Mm. Mm. And I think that's really nice with this project because you see the different materials. So mm. the, the red 3D printed yeah, form yes. and also the, yeah. the soap form. The soap form, yes. Quite amazing, the different mm. textures and details mm. that can be produced. But it's still visually the same form that's been translated which is quite beautiful yeah yeah that's the thing i didn't mention yet because everything starts from the same from the porcelain form so i actually show this work to my assistants and say like you know it doesn't have to be the same pieces it doesn't have to be the same form but take these inspirations and then see what the material can be done we try to make it as close as possible but it's not going to be the same so. mm. Mm. yeah now, you've recently set up a new studio in Cheltenham, I do. which is a split-level modern warehouse space with a kiln and mm. plenty of space to run workshops. Mm. Can you talk about the creation of this space and what you are hoping to achieve as well in this space? Yeah, I used to, for the last like 15 years, I always work with chair studio, work in the chair studio space, and I always think like it was the best thing artists can do. I never want to have my own space because I thought it would be so isolated. But somehow, when I got my own studio, I think this is the best thing ever. <laughs> but when I built this studio, I call it Clay Lab. One of the aim for me is to try to make it a cultural exchange spot for Melbourne ceramic artists. And like when I have my open studio, I try to bring artwork from other country that Melbourne people hasn't been seen before. Or like I try to organize workshop or mentoring ship programs from international artists and run it in my own space. I like doing all these kind of art projects, but the problems always the space and where to run it, where to host it. So having my own space is a lot easier and make me want to create more of this opportunity for other artists. Mm. Yeah, well, it's such a luxury to have this sort of space that you can... Um, not no, I want bigger one so. now. <laughs> I, want, I want more of space. So since you've had this space, what are some of the projects that you've worked on that this space has really enabled? We ran the workshop for um, the U, from artists from USA last year, and we did the project with Kingston Art Centre where I invite general public to come in and create their own artwork in ceramics. I'm just about to do another project similar idea with a Bayside Art Gallery. So uh, bring up general public to come into my studio, making ceramic with me, fight and then exhibit it. I also running a mini mentoring program late this year by uh, bringing three different artists from the international to run a mentoring camp in my studio. 
but that's depend on the OSCO grants, which I'm waiting to hear in the next few weeks. Mm. You um, obviously work on a lot of different projects at the same time. Mm. How do you manage your time and how do you sort of schedule different projects in? Because you work internationally as well. Mm. I think Google Calendar help. <laughs> it's, it's, it has to be very, very organized. And also, I think as a full-time independent artist, I just have to make it happen myself. I just have to make sure that I got job to do, and otherwise I couldn't make a living. So I create opportunity for myself, and once you learn how to do it, you just couldn't stop because you see opportunity everywhere, and you just like keep creating bit by bit. And all this project is not like, I think about it today and it happened next week. It's more like you know a year or two in advance planning. And during that time, there is other new idea coming up. So you just have to keep going. It's just like a momentum. And I think if I stop maybe for half a year, all the momentum, it just disappear. And it's really hard to get it going again. It's interesting that one of the sculptures within your new series of works mm. that will be exhibited as part of the detail show is a beautiful vegetable Mm. sculpture. Mm. Now you've got a long history of working with food in your yes. practice. Can mm. you talk a little bit about how that has come about and some of the projects that you've worked on? Yeah, I started working with food I think in 2005 because uh, actually that project was the opening of everything so I'm doing right now. I worked with Aaron Sito. He was then a director of a 4A gallery in Sydney and he interested in showing my work but he doesn't want to show it on plinth. So he said, like, what can I come up to get the project going? And I said, oh, I'm a good cook, and maybe we could do the dinner projects because this way people could experience my work, not just seeing it, but actually touching it, hearing it, tasting it, and smelling it. He liked the idea, so we started making a, a project with cooking food for five-course dinner and serve on my own artwork and tell story about my life moving from Thailand to Australia. It was the work that actually opened my mind. So like ceramic can be so much more than just sculptures or things that you could look at. So that's when I started making work with food. And then since then, somehow food just come to my life more and more with new projects. And now um, when you invite me to be part of this show, one thing I like pop up in my head, like what can I do with food? And food carving and it's kind of long history of Thai traditional cultures and things that people know about Thailand, fruit carvings, uh, vegetable carving. So I bring it to the show. Mm. I didn't eat it though. <laughs> <laughs> I see that um, relationship to your cultural heritage mm. coming through in the mm. food aspect in your work as well as the, the sculptural works. Yeah, I guess that must have been a bit of a cultural shock back in 97 when you came It was, yes. And there's like very little Thai food, very little Asian food or Asian ingredients. I remember it's, I found it difficult to find fish sauce. I have to go to Springwell Market, like Asian market. That's the only place that they sell fish sauce and then only one brand. Yeah, but now like everywhere sell fish sauce. Uh, everywhere sell um, sweet chili sauce. It was just so much change since then. Mm. And coming up, have you got any other projects that you're working on in development at the moment? Yeah, it's actually quite a few. So I just uh, got the grant from OSCO last year to be mentored by two big artists that I really admire their work. One is the eating designers from the Netherlands, and one is the conceptual artist from Thailand. 
I like each of them because I want to make my work more conceptual, try to push my ceramic sculpture into a next level. And I, like you mentioned before, I'm interested in food, so I want to see what other way that I can bring food to my work. So the two artists have been mentoring me, and the project should complete next year. Mm. And finally, what advice would you give to artists just starting out in their practice? There's so many advice. <laughs> I think I, I have read a whole lot of books and talked to so many people about how to get advanced in the art career. The, most of the time it's come to the conclusion it's just got to keep making good work. That's the only thing. There might be a few little shortcuts here and there, like you, know, you go out a lot more often, meeting with creators and gallery owners, or you be like visible on social media, and that kind of help. But if your work is not good, no matter what you do, it just doesn't go anywhere. Well, thanks so much for being in the exhibition and creating some yeah. new amazing work for it. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me here and in the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 21 of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Our podcast program is supported by the Gordon Darling Foundation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.